Our Father, again, just thank you for gathering your people together. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day that you've made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray this morning that um, as we enter into this time of, of, of preaching your word, that uh, you would speak, that it would be your words and not mine, that your Holy Spirit would move and speak to each heart, that each one of us would hear what you have for each one of us. Lord, make us into a people at Redemption Church who look more and more like Jesus and who make you known to our community. And this morning, Lord, just do transformative work in our hearts to make us more like you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So most of you probably know this little thing, and I've, I've shown it before, but, and you probably saw it as a kid or maybe did it as a kid, but it, it's, it's this thing, right? Like here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, and you see all the people, right? You've seen that, right? It's cute. It's also wrong. That's not, that's not right um, because the church is not a building, right? The church is not a building, and the church is not Sundays. Like this, what we're doing right now is not church. This is just a gathering of the church. This is the people. This is the body of Christ. Church is not a place, and church is not a time. The church is the people who gather together to make up the body of Christ so that the world can like look in at the church and see who Jesus really is. And that way, when they see Jesus through us, then they see who God is, they see what God's done for us in and through Jesus Christ, and they might know who they are because of that, right? So it matters, I think, how we understand the church. It matters how we understand the church because how we think about and how we understand the church will dictate what this church looks like. And it matters what this church looks like because it's precisely through what this church looks like that the world around us will view Jesus. The way they see us, the way they see Redemption Church, the way our neighborhood sees Redemption Church, the people here, is how they will see him. The way they see us is how they will see him. So if we need to use our hands, it, it shouldn't be all the building and the steeple and all that. It should just simply be like, hey, here are the people, right? Here are the people. This is the church. This is the body of Christ through which Jesus is made known. It's not as cute, and you probably won't do it with your kids that much, but... Now, the purpose of the last few weeks in this, uh, whoa, in this uh, series that we've called All Things New um, has been to help align us as a church towards a singular purpose, uh, vision, and mission. We want to make the real Jesus known. I've been saying that a lot over the last few weeks. Maybe you've picked up on it. We want to make the real Jesus known. And I'm saying the real Jesus because we know that the church and the Christians who make up the church, even us, have often misrepresented ourselves and therefore we've misrepresented Jesus. And so as a church, we want to strive together to make the real Jesus known, right? We want to strive together to make the real Jesus known by being honest about our failures, loving each other the way Jesus loves, serving the city for the good of all, and inviting everybody into the family of God. 1 Peter, if you want to turn there, it's 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. It's one of my favorite passages. And I just want to read this for you. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it'll be on the screen too. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now this language of like chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, that language comes from way back in like Exodus, like Exodus 19, as God has called the nation of Israel to be his people, to be his holy nation, to be his priesthood. And the Jewish audience that, first, that, that Peter's writing to here in 1 Peter uh, would have understood this language and it, and it would remember that, that their people were called out, that their people were set apart, that they were given a new identity by God for a purpose. And often in Jewish tradition, like when recalling the exodus of Egypt, the exodus from Egypt, they would refer to it as being called out of darkness and into light. The darkness was this time back in Exodus, right, where they were in slavery. They were under the rule of Egypt. They were owned by the Egyptians. They were the possession of the Egyptians. Joseph was the first. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. So that's the darkness. But they were delivered into the light when God delivered them from Egypt. You know the story with Moses and the plagues and the blood and the water, right? He didn't just deliver them. He made them his people. He gave them a new identity. He named them his own, and they, be, they became his own possession. Like, if you know the longer and greater story of it, right, God took his people to, from there to the promised land. He made them a nation. He called them Israel, and he did that in order to make himself known to other nations, which makes Israel, that is the nation that God made them, it makes them a priesthood, a priesthood. That's a people who make God known to others. And while we know that Israel didn't exactly do this perfectly, right? Often they strayed and they worshipped other gods and they went after the gods of other nations. Still, God did use them to make his name famous and to make himself known to the nations outside of Israel. And ultimately, through Jesus Christ, who is the true and better Israel, even we have come to know God. Even we have come to know him and have become part of God's family. Even we have become his own possession. And what I want us to see here is that many of these exiles and sojourners, that's who Peter was writing to, that's what he calls them, um, many of those that he, 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 he was writing to uh, lived among Gentile people, right? They lived among a people who did not know God, who did not worship God, and who were in darkness. And so while Peter's language is picking up on God's call uh, to Israel in the Old Testament to make God known to the nations, he's actually showing that it is also the call on all those who have become God's people through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is their call. They, like Israel, was a priesthood to the nations. They also are to be a priesthood who makes Jesus known where they are to those in darkness around them, and so that they also can know God and they can become part of the body of Christ, the church of people for God's own possession. And what I love about these two verses, verses 9 and 10, is that it's like so tightly intermingles the idea of being called out of something and being called to 
mission. It so like closely relates the being set apart from the world, right, and being set apart on mission to the world. We can't miss it. Like you and I, we've been called out of darkness to go and be the light for others. But we also must remember, as we consider this relationship of being called out of the darkness to go be the light, this isn't written to an individual. This was not written to one person. This is to a people. There's no way to isolate any part of this and make it about one person or one individual when the whole passage is very much speaking to a people, right? Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a people, a, a holy a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. It's, both parts are very much pointed at a people, at a community. So we can't take one line from between them and make it only to speak to an individual. Actually, what it's really saying is that you are made, you are a people who are made for proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into light. That's why I made you a people. You are a people made for proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. And so as we said last week, God also is making us into a people. We are made into a people through Jesus, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it is a huge thing when we understand that. Like just this work of making us a family, it speaks volumes of who God is and what he does right? I mean, look around us. It's so clear in our country today that we always fail to unite when we're left to ourselves. We can't find common ground strong enough to make the left or the right uh, unite together politically. We can't find common ground strong enough on our own to bring black and white together. We can't find common ground, even in the church, it seems, um, to keep us from splitting over carpet colors or uh, music selections, curriculum, The model we use is small groups, missional communities, or Sunday school. I know because I've been a part of a church split that was ridiculous. It's painful. And we just can't do it on our own. When when we forget Christ is the center, we can't do it on our own. And that's why this, this passage is so powerful. It reveals that it is only in and through Christ that we can be reconciled to God and that we can be reconciled to each other. He's the only ground sure enough. He is the center His is the only blood that makes us of one blood. We we were not a family, but now we are God's family. Jesus did that. And I think in a way greater than any one of us could pull off individually, it's in our oneness, it's in our being a family, it's in our reconciled state that we make the real Jesus known the best. Who we are and how we live together is our very best witness. We are saved to the family of God for the purpose of proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done together. So how is the church known now? Like in our time time and in our place, how is the church known today? Maybe full of hypocrites? I've personally heard that one the most. People outside the church won't come to church because we're all a bunch of hypocrites, right? I've heard a lot of defenses against this, but I think we know where they're coming from. 
Right? What these critics mean is that we judge and we hate others for the same things that we continue to do and continue to hide. And there's truth to it. The way we live together reveals who we really are, right? And that's, if that's what they see, then that's what they see of Jesus. There's another thing, too. I think that the world also has expectations, right? There are many who would say that if, if we're going to exist, if we're going to be a church, if we're going to have religion or whatever, if we're going to, going to exist, then we should be leading the way and, like, showing hospitality to immigrants and refugees and others, We should be overcoming the racial divide in our country. We should be leading the way and being good stewards of our environment and of our natural resources. People would say that we should be dealing with world hunger and probably the church should be solving it. People would say that we should be leading the way and taking care of the health care problems with our resources, maybe instead of buying buildings or whatever. People would say that we should be coming to the rescue of those who are harmed by natural disaster. We should be beautifying the neighborhoods where we, that we occupy. We should be housing the homeless. We should be leading the way in ending sex trafficking. We should be protecting animals from cruelty in the marketplace. We should be visiting and befriending prisoners. We should be taking care of single moms. We should be helping to end abortion. We should be addressing gender inequality. We should be leading the way in mentoring and taking care of the fatherless. We should be fostering and adopting and caring for the orphaned, supporting our local businesses. And the list goes on and on and on, right? Most people have their pet issues. They pick one or two of those. But many expect the church to do better and to take the lead in mercy and to take the lead in compassion and to take the lead in doing justice in our world. Outsiders expect this because we've told them about Jesus. From what they know of him, because of what we've said, they're led to assume that if he were really worth following, then that's the type of stuff that he would be dealing with. So his people ought to be following suit. And the heavenly city that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, the heavenly city that we've told people about, it looks like a world where all that kind of stuff has been dealt with once and for all. No tears, no death, no thirst, no mourning. So don't they do well to assume that we should be pushing in that direction? I think the world looks in on the church and they wonder, and I kind of think rightly so, like if your Jesus is real, then why are these things still an issue? Not only in the world, but even in the church. And why is it that in the church, oftentimes we find the greatest offenders in some of these areas? And I think it's time for a fresh witness of the real Jesus to sweep across our world. He's been misrepresented. And people need to know the real Jesus. I believe the whole world wants to know the real Jesus more than they know. I think we all want to know the real Jesus more than we've encountered him. In Acts, the church went about spreading the gospel and making the real Jesus known, and it grew exponentially. And there's this popular uh, section of Acts. It's chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm going to read it to you. Listen how Luke described this early church that was making Jesus known and growing. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together 
and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the early church was a family who was practicing making Jesus known to each other, right? Like they were devoted to to learning the Word of God together, getting to know who God is and what He's done and who that makes Him and how they ought to live because of it. They gave up their own belongings for one another. They, they gave to each other as they had need. They served others in, the, in, in families. Uh, in the, they, they served others in the family before themselves. And God added to their number day by day, the Scripture says. I think it was their practiced oneness in Jesus that made Him evident to others. Right? Who they were and how they lived together was their very best witness. Check this out in Ephesians. This is how Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This verse has a lot going. I mean, this passage has a lot going in in it. But uh, but speak the truth, like hold one another accountable on the sin. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted towards one another. Forgive each other as Christ forgives. Like Paul is exhorting this church in Ephesus to practice making Christ known in their one anothering with each other. Because it's in our practiced oneness in Jesus that makes him evident to others. Who we are and how we live together is our very best witness. Who we are and how we live together is our very best witness. When I was young, a bunch of us in the neighborhood over in the hill area would go play baseball at Montesano Elementary School. Back then, there was like this big sandlot field, and I don't mean like sandlot like the movie. I mean just tons of sand, right? It looks nothing like it used to now, like they've built some other stuff out there, but it was just a big sandlot field, and, and we'd play every day in the summer. We'd go up there and play baseball. We'd get teams from the neighborhood, like three or four people on a team, whatever we could round up. We'd have like a pitcher an infielder and an outfielder, right? Anyways, when we come up to bat, we pretend, we'd pretend to be David Justice or Ron Gant or uh, some other famous Atlanta Brave. We got pretty good, I thought. I mean, we started hitting them out of the park, you know, facing the, the mean pitching of the other kids in the neighborhood. And I, for one, started to fancy myself a baseball player. Like, I thought I was a baseball player. I played every day in the summer, and I was hitting them out of the park. I was a baseball player, Right? <laughs> 
But nobody else saw me that way. Nobody thought, hey, there goes Ben, the baseball player. <laughs> All right? And then when I went out for the team at school, like, I didn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, nobody else saw me that way. I never played on a real team. I never made the cut. Nobody looked at me and thought, baseball player. But I was a soccer player. You could probably tell because of my conditioning. Um, <laughs> when I was young, I played on several soccer teams. Like, I dressed in the uniform, and when I tried out for the high school team, I made the cut, like everybody else who tried out for the team, right? But I got a jersey, and on game days, I'd wear it to school, and I'd go to the games, and I'd ride that bench so hard, and then every once in a while, I'd get in the game and play too, right? But people at school knew me as part of the soccer team. I was on the team. I was part of it. I played with them. I practiced with them. I did the thing. I had the jersey. I was a soccer player, like, just last week at Arts in the Heart, I ran into somebody who knew me from the soccer team. That's, all, that's the only connection we had. We were soccer players. That's how we knew each other. Similarly, I think it is our practice oneness in Jesus that makes him evident to others. We don't just get to say uh, that Jesus is loving and that Jesus is kind and that Jesus is merciful and just and on and on and on and that we're on his team. We don't just get to say that without actually demonstrating that it's true. We have to put on the uniform. We have to join the team. We have to show up to practice and take the field together, right? Like if we would embody a culture at Redemption Church that makes the real Jesus known, if we would actually be like recognizable as Jesus' people, we must be practicing our oneness together. Because who we are and how we live together is our very best witness. Like as a church, we set up spaces for this, right? Like we set up DNAs. We want you to get in a DNA with two or three guys, two or three women, and do that thing. We got missional communities. We got service opportunities. We got all that kind of stuff. And all the point of all that stuff is for us to practice together. And if we're practicing with one another, we're going to start inviting others in. I can guarantee that. I guarantee it, because the good news of who God is and what he has done in and through the person and work of Jesus and who that makes us will be made fresh over and over and over, like day in and day out, week in and week out, the good news will become fresh in our hearts, and it'll be too good, it'll taste too good not to tell other people about. If we're practicing this together, if we're practicing looking like and telling people the, about the real Jesus together, we're going to taste and see and we're going to tell others. But if we're going to embody a culture that makes the real Jesus known in our city, we will be a people who are practicing making the real Jesus known to each other. Like, we'll be honest about our failures with one another. We can actually talk about those things. We can confess. We can love each other like he loves we can serve one another. We can serve the city for the good of all. And we will invite everybody in. We can be hospitable. Listen, the point is, is that it, it matters how we steward this local body of Christ. It should be here are the people. Here's the church. Here's the body of Christ through which the real Jesus is being made known. Because church is not this building, right? It's not Sunday, it's not a time, it's not a place. The church is the people who together make up the body of Christ so that the world can look in at the church and they can see who Jesus really is. 
So the charge this week, and I think from the whole series, as we wrap up the series, the charge is to go and to practice making Jesus known to one another. Practice making Jesus known to one another. Like the vision of Redemption Church isn't to get really big so that we get the loudest voice and the biggest platform so that we can say the right thing and that everybody will finally understand where we're coming from and they'll come into our thing and they'll join the church and they'll do all our programs and stuff. The vision of Redemption Church is to see downtown saturated with the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think we do that because out of... I think the way we do that is we make Jesus known to each other. We make Jesus known to each other. Because that's how we make Jesus known to the city around us. That's what they're going to see. Who we are and how we live together is our very best witness. So the charge is really just like get around the table with your family and get huddled up in your missional communities and get together regularly with your DNA groups and begin to practice being honest about your failures with each other, right? To confess with one another. Like practice boasting not in how you add up but in how Jesus loves you and how he's transforming you. And how in your weakness he is being made strong. Tell each other how he's strong in each other's, in each other's weaknesses. And practice loving each other with God's love. Give each other the kind of love that bears brutal honesty. Right? Give each other the kind of love that knows where you've been and what you've done. That sees your current imperfections. That lets you come out of hiding. And still embraces you and calls you a beloved child of God. Love each other that way where we can be honest with one another and love each other with the, with the love of Jesus. And practice laying yourself aside to serve one another. Practically, sign up to volunteer on Sunday or at other events. Like, we don't actually just have a bunch of volunteer positions uh, just to make the machine run. Like, that's actually part of how we want to do discipleship. That's actually what we think is part of the equipping of the people of the, of the church, Right? Because serving is part of how we make Jesus known and how he's made known to us. And practice hospitality. Invite others into the family. Let's be a people who are running into the darkness with the light of Jesus and making him known in word and in deed. And if we're practicing in these ways and we're inviting everybody into the family of God, we're making the real Jesus known to each other, we'll bring justice. We will lead in mercy. We will lead with humility. And we will show the love of Jesus as he really is. I think we could exceed the world's expectations. Because if we make the real Jesus known, I think he's bigger than any of us can really imagine. And greater than we have expected. We're going to move into a time of response as we do each week. And there's a few ways we do this. The band will come up and they'll lead us together and worship through singing, through songs. You can stand and we can sing praises to our God together. You can also reflect where you are and respond that way. Uh, We have a basket in the back for giving. If you're a member of Redemption Church, um, we invite you to to give tithes and offerings in that way. There's some other ways you can give as well. Instructions are back there. We do this out of worship and out of obedience to our, our Father who we trust. And every week we take communion. You can come down these corner aisles and you can take the bread and you can dip it in the wine or the juice. And when we do this, it's the bread representing the body of Christ that was given for us, and the blood and the juice represent the blood of Jesus that was shed for us.
As we do it, we're just proclaiming to one another that Jesus is really who he said he is, that he came, that he died, that he lived, that he's risen again, that he's king and that he's Lord of all, that he's our Savior. We're proclaiming that truth to one another. We're remembering it together because we're a forgetful people and we need the reminder. I'm totally breaking this thing. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to move into that time. Our Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for making us a people who are not a people. Thank you for Jesus and his blood that's done that. Lord, I pray that you would transform us together. Like, yeah, transform us individually because individually we make up this together thing, but we have to, we have to dive in with one another confess to each other, lead each other to repentance, share the gospel with each other in word and in deed, be hospitable with one another, embrace one another. We have to be together, belong to each other, be the family of God that makes the real Jesus known. Lord, and I pray that when the city looks looks at us, that they would see Jesus. Like that they would see what he's really like. That you would even help them see beyond us and see more clearly what he's like. Lord, Holy Spirit, send, send the Holy Spirit before us and prepare the way for Christ uh, to be made known in our city. We pray that you would saturate downtown with the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ, Lord, and that we would get to see your mighty work, that we would have reason to rejoice in your salvation springing up all around us. You're making all things new. Make us new. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.